Now in school, when I was growing up, before taking a test, teachers used to always say the same thing. They used to say, read all the instructions before you take the test. Did you ever hear that in school? Teachers were always saying that, read all the instructions before you take the test. As a kid, I never understood why teachers would say that. It's like they didn't understand that there are two parts to taking a test. The first part is the written part that the teacher grades. And then the second part is finishing first so that you can beat all of your classmates. The bragging rights part of the test. Obviously, teachers knew this is what we were thinking, and they wanted us to slow down. Well, I remember that there was one day in class where we had a surprise test. And before the test started, the teacher said the normal, and be sure to read all the instructions before you start. And as soon as she was done, I took off. And I was taking this test, and I was pretty proud of myself because I was confident I was getting a lot of answers right for a test that I had never studied. It helped that it was multiple choice, but I was getting a lot of them right, I was sure. And after I finished the first page of the test in record time, I couldn't help but notice that some of the classmates sitting around me, they weren't doing anything. And I thought to myself, don't they know that this is a race? But I ignored them and I kept going. But a couple minutes later, I couldn't help but notice and overhear some of my classmates in the back were chuckling to themselves. Why isn't the teacher getting upset with them? Well, about this time, I happened to glance at the bottom of the last page of the test, and I saw these words written on it. It said, this is not a real test. Just sit quietly at your desk until everyone else realizes it. And it's safe to say that I learned something that day, and that while I don't remember any of the questions on that fake test, I've always remembered the lesson it taught me, to slow down and read the instructions first. By the way, some of you might know that I grew up with Casey. We went to the same school when we were growing up. She was in class that day. Well, I shared this story with her yesterday. She remembered. She shared with me that she was one of the ones in the back of the classroom laughing. <laughs> she did read all the instructions. But you know, in this life, we will face some more serious tests, trials and difficulties that come our way. And often these can come as surprises to us. They include things like a temptation or a difficult health crisis, relationship issues, a loss of some sort, and the list goes on. And the Bible's clear that as Christians, we're not exempt from these tests and trials in life. In fact, it tells us that we will face additional trials because of our faith. But it seems that many times for us as Christians, we can be so determined just to get, get past these things, just to get through these difficulties, that we miss the purposes and the lessons God has for us through them. Not only that, but many times we don't take the time to slow down and heed the words that God's Spirit speaks to us in those moments. As a result, we often get frustrated in the tests we face in this life. Many times we even take our anger out on God. But when we approach these tests of life the right way, we will find that we can turn tests into triumphs of faith in our lives. I'm praying that we'll see this truth as we turn together to John chapter 6, Verse 1 in our Bibles this morning. If you have your Bible, I'd encourage you to turn there to John chapter 6, verse 1. It says this. Sometime after this, Jesus crossed to the far shore of the Sea of Galilee, that is, the Sea of Tiberias. And a great crowd of people followed him. 
because they saw the signs he had performed by healing the sick. Then Jesus went up on a mountainside and sat down with his disciples. The Jewish Passover festival was near. When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming toward him, he said to Philip, Where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? He asked this only to test him, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. Let's pause right here for just a moment. As Jesus takes his disciples to a mountainside, probably to get a little little R&R from their recent ministry together, and as they did that, they find that the crowds, they they tracked them down. If if you've ever tried to get a little rest, a little relaxation, just to have people track you down, try and spend time with you, talk with you, it can be a little overwhelming. It can even be a little frustrating. And this wasn't this wasn't just a few people. This was, this was a great crowd. In fact, we find out later that there were 5,000 men present. That doesn't include the possible thousands more with women and children. Makes me wonder what the disciples must have felt when they saw that rest slipping out of their fingers. But we don't have to guess how Jesus felt. He was filled with love and compassion for the crowds. That's why he didn't send them away. Even though Jesus knew many of them there were more interested in seeing miracles than receiving truth, he still cared for every single individual there. In fact, it was in that love that the Lord decided that these people, they needed to eat. So he turns to one of his disciples, Philip, and he asks him, where, where should we buy bread for all of them? Now, this was a test of faith for Philip and by extension for the other disciples. Let's see what happened next. Verse 7. Philip answered him, It would take more than half a year's wages to buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. Another one of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Here's a boy with five small barley loaves, two small fish. But how far will they go among so many? Now, Philip Philip knew what Jesus wanted. He knew what Jesus wanted right here, which for the people to be fed. But Philip didn't know the answer. And so he just said, there's no way. There is just no way. We don't have enough money to even give everyone a bite, let alone a meal. Isn't this how we, at times, approach the tests and trials we face in life, believers? We're in a situation, and even though we know what the Lord wants us to do in our incredible wisdom and knowledge, we're quick to doubt the possibility of it. We know that he wants us to say no to that temptation. We know that he wants us to help that person. We know that we're supposed to forgive the individual who's wronged us. But we just decide that there's just no way. Or we approach that test like Andrew did, who, despite finding some resources, he followed it up with, yeah, but how far will these go? In other words, this, this isn't good enough. There's a measure of doubt in Andrew's voice. Maybe that's how some of us approach the tests we face in life. Uh, a relationship is broken. We lost our job. Some, something comes along that really shatters us. And we look around, and in the end, we're captive to these thoughts that, you know, it's, it's hopeless. I don't have enough strength to do this. There's no way that I could make it through this. You see, there are tests and trials in life when, because we can't see the answer, we decide that it's a hopeless case. Or we get overwhelmed, and then we start to doubt. 
And we don't just doubt ourselves, but many times we begin to doubt God. We doubt his goodness for allowing it. We doubt his purposes. We doubt that he cares for us. We we doubt his ability. You see, the reason that Philip and the disciples were failing this test isn't because they didn't know the answer. Jesus wasn't looking for them to know the answer. He's just looking for them to have faith in him. The problem was they responded with doubt. They responded with, I don't think we can do this. Instead of responding by saying, I know that you can do this, Jesus. I don't know how, but I know that only you can do this. There are tests in life, believers, where we're not going to have the answer. We just won't know. Many times we'll be tempted to doubt how it is we'll even get through. But we need to ask, do we trust that Jesus knows the answer? Or are we going to choose to doubt him and to doubt his will? Look at verse 10. Jesus said, have the people sit down. There's plenty of grass in that place, and they sat down. About 5,000 men were there. Jesus then took the loaves, gave thanks, and distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. When they had all had enough to eat, he said to his disciples, gather the pieces that are left over. Let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and filled 12 baskets with the pieces of the five barley loaves left over, by those who had eaten. After the people saw the sign Jesus performed, they began to say, Surely this is the prophet who has come into the world. Jesus, knowing that they intended to come and make him king by force, withdrew again to a mountain by himself. In the midst of the disciples failing this test, by leaning on their doubts instead of leaning on their faith in Jesus, let's, let's notice one of the ways that they responded. I want us to notice that even in their doubts, they still obeyed the Lord. They had the people sit down. They collected what was left over. And as they did all these things, they were blessed to witness a powerful miracle. Now they could see just how misplaced their doubts were. I mean, Philip thought there's no way that people could even have a bite. And instead, the people were filled. Andrew thought that this lunch was meager, was worthless. But instead, it was a feast when it was put into the hands of the Lord. And if only we would realize, believers, that in the tests of life that cause us to doubt, that Jesus is waiting for us. He's just waiting for us to put all things into his hands and to trust him. We don't have to know the answer, but we should trust that he knows the answer. And when we live in that faith, we won't become discouraged by doubt or distracted by all the things that we think we see we are lacking. No, instead, we'll remember that the God of all creation stands by our side, just waiting for us to look to him. You know, in school, one of the greatest things you could hear a teacher tell you about a test is when the teacher said, oh, and by the way, the test is open book. Because when the teacher said that, you knew what that meant. You knew that meant you would literally have the answer sitting right there next to you when you took the test. Only a fool would choose not to use the book. Well, believers in this life, Jesus is right there in the tests and trials that we face. He's just waiting for us to look to him. Why wouldn't we? Why wouldn't we look to him? Let's not doubt him and his will, but let's trust that he knows the answers to the difficulties that we're facing. And he'll see us through. If we find ourselves being filled with doubt in our hearts, let's choose to continue obeying him until we return to a place of greater faith.
But there's more that I want us to look at this morning. So let's continue in John chapter 6. Let's look at verse 16. It says, When evening came, his disciples went down to the lake, where they got into a boat and set off across the lake for Capernaum. By now it was dark, and Jesus had not yet joined them. A strong wind was blowing, and the waters grew rough. When they had rowed about three or four miles, they saw Jesus approaching the boat, walking on the water, and they were frightened. You know, sometimes there are tests and trials we face in life that can make us feel very afraid. Maybe it was that cancer diagnosis. Maybe it was the loss of that loved one that we depended on, or that financial trouble, or that worldwide panic over a virus, and we become scared. We just want to get through the storm, but we're so filled with fear that we don't even know how. And here are the disciples, some of them professional fishermen, and they were in the depths of this sudden storm on the water. It's late at night. They're exhausted from rowing the boat. The waters are raging all around them. How quickly for them the joy of seeing Jesus feed the multitude faded from their minds. Because now they could only focus on this present trouble that's right in front of them. Then they see this figure walking on the water. And after that, it was just panic time for the disciples. There are times when the tests and trials we face in life, they're going to cause us fear. And, And that fear can bring us to the point where we stop thinking about the Lord. We stop thinking about his goodness, about all the things that he has done in our lives leading up to that point. And if we allow it to, that fear It can cripple us. It can consume us. And then all of our thoughts and actions are going to be based on that instead of being based on faith in Jesus. That's when we need to refocus on the Lord who is always near us, believers. A pastor once shared the story of a man who was going through a very difficult trial in his life. This young man, his wife suddenly and unexpectedly passed away. Now it was just him and his four-year-old daughter. When they got back home the day of the funeral, the man, he brought his daughter's bed into his room so that they could face that first dark night together. They both struggled to sleep. He could hear his daughter in bed crying. This young father, he did the best that he could to comfort her. When she eventually quieted down, the man prayed out loud to God and he said, Father, I trust you, but it's as dark as midnight. That's when his daughter, who he thought was sleeping, started crying again. And she said to her dad, she said, she said, Papa, did you ever know that it could be this dark? It's so dark that I can't even see you. But But you love me even when it's dark, don't you? You love me even when I can't see you, don't you, Papa? The young man picked up his daughter and hugged her close. And soon she was fast asleep in his arms. When she was asleep, the man prayed to God again. And he said, Father, it's as dark as midnight. And I can't see you. But you love me even when it's dark and I can't see you. Don't you, Father? 
And that man went on knowing that God loved him and was with him even in those dark times. And believers, when we face tests in life that cause us to fear, we can begin to feel alone even when others are physically near us. Within our hearts, we feel this deep and terrible ache. But we're not alone. Fear tries to tell us that. Faith just tells us a different story. And the disciples may have been together, but in the midst of their circumstances, they soon felt a terrible fear. They would soon discover the same peace that the Father in that story did. Let's look together in verse 20. But he, that's Jesus, but he said to them, it is I. Don't be afraid. Then they were willing to take him into the boat, and immediately the boat reached the shore where they were heading. Imagine, imagine the comfort that would have been for the disciples when they heard the familiar voice of Jesus telling them, it is I, don't, don't be afraid. Jesus, he was never far from his disciples. He came to them at their moment of deepest need. But they were so focused on their circumstances, even the sight of him made them scared. But once they realized who it was and received him into the boat, only then were their fears relieved. And they were brought safely and miraculously through the storm. And when we face those tests in life that cause us to fear, we need to remember that even in the dark, even when the storms rage around us, that our Lord, he hasn't abandoned us. No, he's always near. He's always present, even when we can't see him. Even when our circumstances blind us to his presence, he's still there. And he'll be with us through the tests we face in life. Now, he may not see fit to bring us suddenly and miraculously through that trial we're facing, but he'll never leave us nor forsake us in the midst of it, believers. When we face difficulties in life, we can give in to fear. We can give in to doubt. We can choose to rely on ourselves. Or we can triumph over these things by trusting the Lord despite our circumstances. And when we trust Him through these things, we'll also find our faith growing as a result. In fact, that's one of the chief purposes for which the Lord allows difficulties in our lives. I want you to listen to what 1 Peter chapter 1 says. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 6-7 through 7 says this, In all this you greatly rejoice, Though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. We face various trials in life, believers, all kinds of difficulties we're going to face. But when we do, we can be confident that the Lord is there for us and that He has a purpose in them. And one of those purposes is so that we would grow in our faith by learning to trust Jesus more, by being obedient even when doubt comes around, by fixing our eyes on Him even when the storms rage. All these tests and trials, they're not God's way of being unkind to us, but rather helping us grow into the mature believers we need to be so that we can bring Him glory in our lives. You know, they say that one of the ways that silversmiths in ages past knew that the silver was done being refined was when they could see their face reflected in it. 
And in the same way, God allows us to undergo the difficult tests of life so we could be refined in our faith and would emerge from them reflecting our Savior to the world around us. We need to remember He has a purpose in the difficulties we go through. And let's not fall to the temptation to believe that God is bringing something more than we can handle or that He's letting it linger longer than it should. Now, as one pastor put it, when God permits His children to go through the furnace, He keeps His eye on the clock and His hand on the thermostat. God knows what He's doing. He has a purpose through the trials we face. But that's the thing, believers. We're going to face tests in this life. Many times they're unexpected. They come when we don't think something will. And if we're not careful, they can cause us to doubt the Lord, to be crippled by fear, and to forget that He's near us. We triumph in the midst of these when we trust Jesus, when we turn all things over to Him, and when we obediently follow Him. As we do that, we'll grow in our faith. We'll become more mature believers and we'll reflect Jesus Christ to the world around us. Remember this truth this morning from John chapter 6, that to triumph over doubt and fear in the tests of life, we need to trust and obey Jesus. To, to triumph over doubt and fear in the tests of this life, we simply need to trust and obey Jesus. Trials are going to come, but even if everybody abandons us, even if we're crippled by fear and doubt, even if those things grip us, Jesus never leaves us. And as we trust him, as we obediently live for him, we'll find him seeing us through all these things. Surely, surely the disciples learned a lot from their circumstances in John chapter 6. The question, believers, for us this morning is, are we growing through the difficult circumstances that we're facing in our lives? If you're joining us and Jesus Christ is not your Savior, I hope you'll hear this. Please do not come to Jesus for an easy life. Because coming to Jesus will not give you an easy life. This world hates God and hates God's people. Don't come to Jesus for an easy life. Come to Jesus because he's the only one who can give you eternal life. If Jesus Christ is not your Savior, please understand that one day you, like all of us, will stand before God to give an account for your life. And when God sees that sin that you have committed... He will hand down the just and righteous punishment that you'll be separated from Him in a place called hell. But please understand why Jesus came. Jesus came to this earth to die on the cross for me and you. To take the wrath, the penalty, the punishment for sin. And three days later, Jesus powerfully rose from the dead, proving that He is the Savior. He's the Son of God. And now He stands in heaven waiting to offer you the forgiveness of all your sins, the salvation of your soul, and a new life. Don't come to Jesus for an easy life. Life won't be easier when you come to Jesus, but Jesus will be with you through this life, and he will give you the greatest gift of all, which is eternal life. You'll forever be in his presence when this life ends, and friend, that will be perfect. If you've never made that decision, I want you to know that you can make that decision no matter where you are in life, no matter where you are physically this morning. Would you pray with me? Friend, if that's you and you've never put your faith in Jesus... You can do that right now. Why would you wait? It's true, life with Jesus won't be easier. But He'll be with you every step of the way in life. And when this life ends, you'll be with Him forever in His presence. Nothing will be sweeter or greater than that. But if you're ready to finally give your life to Jesus Christ, you can do that now. 
You can pray something simple like this. Dear Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. But I know that you died on the cross for me. And I believe you didn't stay in the grave, but that you rose from the dead. Jesus, today I'm giving you my life to do whatever you want with it. So I'm ready to be all yours. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray that if there's anyone with us that made that decision today, I pray you just wrap them up in your loving arms. That in the trials they face in this life, they would see how you are with them. That you would give them a great assurance of their newfound salvation. That you would give us the opportunity to celebrate with them if you see fit. Father, help us. Those of us who have made that decision, who have given our life to Jesus Christ, help us not to doubt when trials in this life come. Help us to trust you, to obey you. It's hard when we don't know the answer to the problems we face. Help us to always remember that you do know the answer and you'll see us through. Father, we thank you for that truth. We love you. And as always, we thank you for loving us so much more. In Jesus' name, amen.